Hey there, welcome back to the Everyday Style School podcast, where we believe style can be easy and getting dressed should be fun. I'm your host, Jennifer Mackey Mary, and today we've got a fun episode. Now, I love to use analogies when I'm speaking, and somehow I always end up comparing clothes shopping and getting dressed to grocery shopping and making dinner. There are a lot of really relatable similarities between the two, and today we're going to touch on just five of them. Now, you might think your cooking habits and your wardrobe habits have nothing to do with each other, but I bet you'll be surprised. Today in Lessons from Linda, I'm sharing the story of a Linda who couldn't part with anything. I know you've heard this story before, but her reasons had nothing to do with the usual, I'm going to fit back in those jeans someday, or I paid good money for those shoes. It was something else entirely. In vocabulary, we're going to talk about one of summer's hottest, trendiest items, the caftan. And in philosophy, I am quoting myself, which, you know, that's always my favorite. So stay tuned for that. Before we get started, though, your homework from the last full episode was to clean out the swimsuits you no longer wear, take a good critical assessment of the ones you do, and if you need an upgrade, start doing some shopping. Let me know how it went. Head on over to our social media channels, either Facebook or Instagram, and tell us all about it. You can find us by searching Everyday Style with Jen or just through the links in the show notes. All right, let's kick things off as we always do with lessons from Linda. Today's Linda came to me in a completely unremarkable fashion, the usual. She was a mom whose kids were getting older. She was ready to reclaim her body, her style, her sense of self, all that good stuff. Now, shout out to you ladies if that describes you perfectly. You're like my favorite person on the planet. I so relate to you. I'm I'm there even though my kids are a little older. I still relate to that feeling. Anyway, on the pre-service questionnaire, like I've said before, there's always a word or a theme that keeps getting repeated or coming up over and over again. And in this case, it was overwhelmed. She was overwhelmed trying to get dressed every morning. She was overwhelmed by stores and malls. Linda was just flat out overwhelmed by life. Now, I have to tell you that overwhelmed is a word I hear from a lot of moms and a lot of women, so that wasn't out of the ordinary, but Linda's overwhelm was coming off of that page, and it felt really heavy to me, so I can only imagine how it felt to her, you know what I mean? Anyway, I got to Linda's house, and I got my clothing rack all set up. I said, okay, let's pull out all the bottoms. So she went into her closet and came back with pants and skirts on hangers. She put folded jeans. She took them out of her dresser, put them on the bed, and then she said, hang on, I'll be right back. And she went to another room and brought back more jeans and skirts. And I said, okay, is this everything? And she said, oh, wait, no, no, wait. And then she went into her husband's closet and pulled things out. Now, I know you're listening and you think you know where this is going. Linda was overwhelmed because she just simply had too many clothes and they were scattered around the house. And I get that you are a pro after listening to the show for a year, but that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is why Linda had so many dang clothes to begin with. Once we had collected all the bottoms from all over her hiding places in the house, I said, okay, let's start trying trying things on. And she said, well, let me separate out the things I don't wear first. And again, you're like, aha, I have cracked the Linda case. And you're right. She was overwhelmed because she had a lot of clothes that she didn't wear, but we still need to dig deeper. So I grabbed the first pair of jeans that went into the I don't wear these pile. And they were nothing special. They weren't like 
perfect condition premium denim. They weren't irreplaceable jeans that her mom had worn to Woodstock or something like that. So I said, hey, Linda, why are we keeping these? And she said, oh, I wore those the night I met my husband. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And then there was a skirt in the pile. I said, why are we keeping this? She said, I wore that for our engagement pictures. Oh, okay. That's cute. Another pair of jeans was, I was wearing those when I found out I was pregnant. Okay. That right there, Linda, that's where I'm going to stop you. You can keep the stick you peed on if you have to, but why do you need to keep the jeans you were wearing that day? It went on and on like that for a couple of hours. And it turns out that Linda's closet and her husband's closet and the guest bedroom closet weren't places to store her overwhelming wardrobe. They were places to store her memories. Her closets were actually scrapbooks that had come to life. And where most people would keep picture of themselves at a friend's baby shower, Linda kept the dress she wore to her friend's baby shower. Now, Linda was someone for whom clothes had a very strong sentimental and emotional attachment. I am a not that way. My wedding dress is uncleaned in a space bag and my kids play in it. But I don't judge women who are that way. I get that that's a huge thing. Some people are just built that way. That's okay. However, when your past, even your happy past, is making your present harder and more overwhelming, something's got to change. Linda was really struggling to part with things. So on our first visit, all we did was categorize memories. We separated things into tiers. Tier one being, this was a momentous occasion in my life and what I was wearing that day was important. Tier two was, this was a big deal in my life, but what I was wearing wasn't significant. And tier three was, this was really someone else's day and what I wore wasn't actually important. The dress she wore to her engagement party, that was a tier one. The blouse she wore for her first day of work after college was a tier two. The dress she wore to her friend's baby shower was a tier three. By the end of our session, she was convinced to get rid of tier threes because those weren't really her memories. I mean, they were great days for her. They were good memories, but they were really about somebody else. She was convinced to box up tier twos and just move tier ones into a different closet. Once we did that, the remaining clothes weren't that overwhelming and they were all in one place. And on our next session, we went through her wardrobe, organized it, got rid of what wasn't working, and Linda lived happily ever after. You know, I love a story with a good ending. Okay, there are two things I want you to take away from my time with Linda. The first one is... Your wardrobe is not all of the clothes you own. Your wardrobe is all of the clothes you can and actually do wear. Linda thought she was overwhelmed by her wardrobe, but she wasn't. Her wardrobe was actually pretty average in size. Linda was overwhelmed by her closet and her disorganization, yes, but she was really overwhelmed by her memories masquerading as part of her wardrobe. The only thing that you should be able to see in your closet or in your drawers are things you can actually wear. Everything else should be in bins or boxes or simply gotten rid of. When you have all of this extra stuff, it's easy to feel overwhelmed and not know where to start or even what you have or what you need. Now, you may not be overwhelmed by a living scrapbook like Linda was, but if this applies to you because you're in between babies or jobs or sizes, whatever, 
take the same advice and only have in your closet or in your drawers what you can actually wear. If you can't or don't or even don't want to wear the things hanging in your closet, get rid of them. Move them out of there. You'll have a much more accurate idea of what your wardrobe really looks like, and it's probably not that overwhelming. Second, if you're a person who has strong sentimental attachment to clothes, that's fine. You be you. But remember, not everything can be a special memory worthy of keeping the item that you wore. The dress you wore to your baby shower? Okay. The dress you wore to your friend's baby shower? No. Make sure you take a picture on that day with your friend while you're wearing the dress and then let the dress go if you don't plan on wearing it again. You'll have a photograph of you and your friend and the extra closet space. If you're one of those sentimental ladies, keep your memories out of your wardrobe space. If you're done wearing it, box it up or move it out. You might find that out of sight, out of mind, it loses its nostalgic factor and you're actually okay letting it go. Okay, let's move on to the word of the week. Today's vocabulary word is caftan. Caftans are having a very trendy moment this summer, so let's talk about them. Caftans, which can be spelled with either a C or a K, are, very simply put, flowy, loose, lightweight dresses. Now, this is a piece of clothing with a rich history, so I'm going to link to an article in the show notes so you can learn more if you would like to. But traditionally, caftans were long, like to the ankle long, and completely closed in front. But if you have learned nothing else from this show, you've probably learned that what something was supposed to be and the words we use to describe things are completely meaningless. So that is not what a caftan is anymore. Now, caftans can be long or short. They can be completely closed or they can be open like a long robe or an overcoat. They can be dresses, tunic tops, third piece layers, swim cover-ups, Pretty much any lightweight, easy breezy dress type item is being called a caftan this season. A lot of women are hesitant to try this voluminous shape out of fear that it will give them no shape at all or make them look bigger. And yes, that might be the price you have to pay for the super comfy, ultra chic look, but it might be worth it. Also, there are things that you can do to mitigate the shapelessness oversized thing. As always, look for a neckline that's good for you. If you look best in a V-neck, go for one of those. If you look best in a halter, you can find a caftan that's a halter. Look for a sleeve length and sleeve tight that doesn't add to the overwhelming volume. Rein it in a little bit at the sleeve. If you like your waist, look for a caftan that has a drawstring or a belt or some other kind of waist-defining feature. And finally, while caftans are meant to be roomy and voluminous, you can find some that are cut narrower to the body and some that are sized like dresses are, and you can size down to get rid of some of the, the volume if that makes you feel better. Finally, if you want to try the trend, but you're hesitant to go all in, pick one up as a swim cover up or even as a lounge around the house kind of dress. It is a great way to test the waters. I'll link to some summer caftans in the show notes, but for now, let's move on to philosophy. Today, I want to share something I've said a lot over the years to a lot of clients especially when I was standing in their closets, helping them get rid of the things that were cluttering their closets, clouding their style, and in general, weighing them down. When you're trying to decide whether to keep something, I want you to keep this in mind. Are you ready? Here it is. If it doesn't fit, flatter, or make you feel good, it doesn't deserve space in your closet. 
You should not be spending your time when you're getting dressed, flipping through clothes, trying to figure out what you can wear. You should be looking for the things you want to wear that day. Imagine yourself going through your tops and saying, no, too tight. No, a little too short. No, I always feel drab in that. No, the seams are scratchy. Oh, this one works. I'll wear that. I know this is how a lot of women get dressed by settling on the first thing they can wear. It's frustrating, it's defeating, and it's a complete waste of time. When you start looking at your tops or your dresses or whatever, you should be able to wear any of them and instead just pick the one that lights you up that day. Keeping things you can't or don't want to wear makes absolutely no sense. I tell women who are hanging on to these things that there is no wardrobe fairy that's going to come in while you're sleeping and magically change something. That top that's too short for comfort, it will always be too short for comfort. That sweater that's itchy, it will always be itchy. And there will never come a day where you want to be self-conscious that your shirt is too short or go through a day in a scratchy sweater. You just won't. Start to think of your closet as valuable real estate rather than a dumping ground. What you put in there determines, in part, how your mornings go and how you feel about yourself all day long. Only put or keep things in there that are going to make it easy to get dressed and make you feel good about yourself. Once you change your thinking about what your closet should be, you'll find it's actually pretty easy to part with things. When we come back, I'm going to share what your kitchen and your closet have in common. A few episodes back, I told you about the Everyday Style Network that we were planning to launch in 2021. The response has been so overwhelming from both people who want to find a stylist and women who want to become a stylist that we're moving it up and our first stylist certification workshop will be happening this fall. Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, let me explain. The Everyday Style Network will be certifying stylists in the Everyday Style Method and Philosophy so women everywhere can find a local stylist to help them build the wardrobes they've always wanted. We're looking for people with an eye for style and a heart for serving women. Interested applicants will go through a certification workshop, put in some practice hours, and once you're fully certified, you'll be listed on our website so women who are looking for help can find you. Plus, I'll be teaching how to start and market your one-on-one styling business. I'll show you everything you need to know, as well as all the mistakes I made when I started out, so that you can build a successful business. If you've listened to the show and thought, I wish I could do that, now you can. If you've wanted to start a styling business, but it seems overwhelming, let me help. If your daughter, your sister, your mom, or your friend would be an amazing stylist, let her know about this. You can head to our website and fill out the interest form to get all the details as they're released. And if you're one of the ladies who has emailed to ask if we have stylists in your area, hang on, we are working on it, and we will let you know as soon as it is up and running. We're so excited to get this launched. Okay, back to the show. Okay, we are going to dive into five similarities between your kitchen and your closet. By the way, when I say kitchen, I mean all things food related, like grocery shopping and cooking dinner. When I say closet, I mean all things clothing and style related, like shopping, getting dressed, all that good stuff. Don't take it too literally. Just go with it. Okay, you ready? Number one, shopping without a plan is a terrible idea. Let me tell you the story of a time I went grocery shopping without a plan. It was a day in early fall, like those first days where you can smell fall in the air. You actually need long sleeves. Life was good. I love fall. 
I stopped at the grocery store on the way home from a client to pick up something for dinner. I was feeling fall and I walked around the store with my little basket collecting pumpkin coffee, pumpkin butter, pumpkin roll, and inexplicably blue cheese. I don't know why. I got a few other little things as well. And when I went through the checkout, I was shocked to hear that my purchases added up to over $40. It was almost $50, but they were all yummy fall things. And I really wanted them. So I paid and I went home and my husband asked me, Hey hon, what's for dinner? I was like, that is a very good question. Would you like pumpkin roll with blue cheese or maybe pumpkin coffee with pumpkin butter in it? Here's what happened. I had spent my time and I had spent my money, but because I didn't have a plan, we still had nothing to eat. This is how a lot of women shop. It's crazy to think that you could go to the grocery store without a plan or a list, just buying random things you want, and then expect to be able to make meals you actually want to eat out of that. But this is how we shop all the time. We buy some sale tees here. We buy a pair of clearance pants there. Oh, this jacket looks fun. Wait, why can't I get dressed? That's why. No one goes recreational shopping. That's what I call it. When you don't have a plan, you just go for fun. No one goes recreational shopping at the grocery store and buys boring old chicken breasts that can be prepared a million different ways. No, they buy pumpkin rolls and pumpkin butter. Likewise, no one recreational shops for clothes and buys the perfect black pants that cost too much, but make your butt look amazing and make every top you own look expensive. No, we buy things like $10 clearance sweaters and a fun necklace. Chicken breasts and black pants are the items you buy when you're shopping with an actual plan. When you make a list of what you need, you tend to prioritize the basics, those foundational items that make it easy to cook dinner or get dressed, and then you add in the fun stuff last. When you do that, making meals and making outfits is very easy. The second similarity is this. No one's at their best on short notice. Over the years, I've heard from a lot of women say that they have cute clothes, but they never seem to wear them. They end up wearing the same thing over and over. So I'll ask them what their morning is like. And it's usually like, oh my gosh, I'm running out the door. I'm trying to get kids ready. I got, I don't even have time for a cup of coffee. I've got to get to work. You know the deal. It probably describes your morning perfectly. So here's the thing. And here's this, the analogy. I'm a meal planner. Every single week I sit down and I make a list of what we'll be having for dinner. I head over to Pinterest and I usually type something like easy weeknight dinners and go from there. Then I make a list of what we need to make those meals. We go to the store and then we are set for the week. I even have a pretty chalkboard in my kitchen with the week's menu on it. Now, when I'm good about doing this, my family eats really well. We try new things. We have variety and food doesn't go to waste. However, I'm human and there are weeks that I'm just busy or I'm lazy or I simply forget. And during those weeks, what we eat for dinner is boring, repetitive, and uninspired. Here's a little peek for you into my life. I hate five o'clock. I hate it. PM, that is. Huge fan of 5 a.m. But at 5 p.m., I'm usually trying to finish up my day. I'm sending emails while my kids are asking what's for dinner or saying they're bored or asking for the 47th snack of the day. I feel stressed and harried, and then I make spaghetti for dinner. It's easy. I don't have to think about it. I know we have the ingredients, and I know my kids won't complain. 
It's not exciting. It's not even that good. It's just my default. The weeks that I don't meal plan, we eat spaghetti a lot. There's other stuff I could make, but in that moment on short notice, I can't be creative. This is why you have cute stuff you don't wear. You have the clothes. You could put a great outfit together, but it's short notice. There's a lot going on. So you default to sartorial spaghetti. My fix for this is to try putting out your outfit the night before. It's a really simple trick, but when you're not in the moment and you're not trying to rush on to the next day, your brain has a little bit of space to be creative and you can, you actually use the clothes you have. You might find that your mornings are easier too. It's one of my favorite tricks. I know a lot of people say, oh, put your outfit out overnight, but when you actually do it, you realize how much easier it makes the next day. All right, number three. One more way your closet is like your kitchen is this. Buying a little at a time is a terrible strategy. I talked about this during the office hours episode on Stitch Fix, but it's an analogy I use all the time. So we're going to talk about it again. The weeks that I'm good about meal planning and making a list and putting in an Instacart order, we don't have to run to the grocery store all week long. And if we do, it's for something they were out of or a specialty market, but we're not at the grocery store every single day. The weeks I don't plan or the weeks that the big shop doesn't happen, it seems like I'm sending my husband to the store for a few ingredients every single day. Our closest grocery store is at least 10 minutes away. So those little trips add up time-wise. He also spends more money buying a few things each time than we do when we do one big order. Finally, there's a lot of waste when we shop this way. I might buy cilantro for one thing on Monday, not use it again, and forget I have it until I chuck it out. All week long, we struggle to make meals, and all that time and money don't feel like they add up to anything satisfying. And all of this is the same in your closet. When you do lots of little trips to the stores or even a lot of little online orders, it takes a lot of time. Now, I know you're saying, well, online shopping takes no time, but the time you invest in finding the items, ordering the items, waiting for them, returning or exchanging them does add up. And the time from when you start till until you actually have a functioning wardrobe is a lot longer than you realize. Second, adding just a few items to your wardrobe at a time adds up money-wise too. Just like with grocery shopping, $20 here, $40 there may not seem significant. When you're doing a big grocery order, you have an idea of how much you're spending. And you probably rein it in when you look at that huge full cart and, you know, those things you don't really need, might they might wait a little bit. You might not get them this week. It's the same with clothes. When you do a big wardrobe shop, you can see exactly what you're spending and prioritize if your spending is going off the rails. Likewise, when you're doing a bigger wardrobe shop, you're less likely to buy one-off items that won't go with anything. You can see how everything works together. I can wear this with this. I can put that top with that skirt. You get the idea. The items aren't separate and removed from each other. Finally, when you buy a couple of things at a time, you're never done. You always feel like something's missing or that your wardrobe isn't complete. You run into occasions you don't have clothes for. But when you do a seasonal wardrobe shop, you shop once and you're done and you're ready for anything. Now, if you are stuck in a pattern of buying things a little at a time, I want to encourage you to go on a 60-day spending freeze. Don't buy any clothes. Don't buy any shoes, no accessories. And then do a big shop next season. I promise you, you can get by until then. Most people can get by. And 
your wardrobe for the next season will thank you. You'll have a much, much different experience when you shop less often, but buy more at a time. All right, number four, you need the right ingredients. In an older episode, I shared the story of Alinda who was so excited to make interesting outfits at the end of our time together, but she didn't have anything to make outfits with. Her wardrobe was really basic. She had tees, jeans, and cardigans, and that was it. I literally couldn't come up with an outfit she hadn't thought of because I had nothing to make outfits with. It's just like your kitchen. If you don't have any interesting ingredients, you can't cook something interesting. I know I've talked a lot on this show about MOPS, which is an organization near and dear to my heart. Before I was a MOPS speaker, I was a MOPS member. And one of my favorite speakers that ever came to talk was about family dinners and meal planning. As we've established, I'm a pretty good meal planner, but she took it to the next level. And one of the resources she gave us was a pantry staples list. She had us go through the list and give ourselves a point for each item on her list that we had in our pantry right then. The higher your score, the easier making dinner was for you because you had a variety of ingredients and you could come up with a lot of different stuff. I don't remember how I did, but I do remember being really inspired by that list to add some ingredients that would make cooking dinners on short notice a lot easier. Now, there were also some ingredients on there that I didn't have because I simply don't like them, and that's okay. For example, I can't stand curry, so curry powder wasn't something I needed to add. But I rarely had black beans on hand unless I had a plan to use them. But it turns out once I made sure they were always in our pantry, I found I could add them to a lot of things and use them all the time. You need ingredients in your wardrobe too. If you only buy the basics that you wear every single day, you'll never have anything different to mix up your outfits. You'll wear the same thing all the time and it will be difficult to put outfits together. In honor of that pantry list, I made a checklist of 100 closet staples for you guys. I'm not going to call them must-haves because you know how I feel about that. And if you feel the same way about white jeans as I do about curry, you don't need to add them to your shopping list. However, if white jeans are to you what black beans were to me and you think, you know what, I would probably wear those a lot, then put them on your shopping list. Look at this as a way to spark ideas and not a 100 item shopping list. To get the checklist, just go to youreverydaystyle.com slash checklist or go to the link on the episode show notes on our webpage. Finally, the fifth thing your closet and your kitchen have in common is that mastery takes practice. I hear from a lot of women who say, I just wasn't born with style or I'm just not good at it. Ladies, great cooks aren't born with all the knowledge and skills they'll ever need either. Instead, they've got an interest in cooking and a desire to be better. Then they learn and practice. They acquire a new skill. They try it out, learn from their mistakes and grow their skill set. It's the same with style. My brother-in-law is a really good cook. For him, cooking isn't drudgery he goes through to feed his family every single night. He actually enjoys it. But he also watches a ton of cooking shows and tries new recipes and techniques. He puts in the effort to be really good at it. Worse than women who say they weren't just weren't born with style or they're not good at it are the women who apologize for not knowing. I can't tell you how many women I've worked with who would say, oh, I, I'm sorry, I, I just don't know what style pants to buy, or I'm sorry, I don't know which patterns to pair together. 
if there's one thing I could wave a magic wand and change, it would be the idea that women are born with an innate sense of style and the ability to dress themselves well. This idea is simply incorrect and it leads women to think, why bother? Because they feel everyone has the gene but them. This is not true. It's not how it works. If you want better style, you can have it. It is a skill that you can hone. It just takes practice. Now, my brother-in-law will always be a better cook than me. You know why? He likes to do it and therefore he wants to learn. People may have an inherent desire to do something, but from there they work to get the skills. So you can tell me I have no desire to have better style. That's cool. Not your jam. That's fine. But don't buy into your own BS that you can't have great style because it doesn't come naturally to you. I guarantee you every single woman you look at and think, Oh, she's so stylish. She's worked at it. She's tried new things. She's had some wins. And she probably has a long list of, I cannot believe I wore that. There are so many resources out there to help you learn the skills you need to love the way you look, including this podcast and the Everyday Style classes and guides. Don't take the easy way out and say you weren't born with it. Get good at it. If it matters to you, invest in yourself and build the skills you need. I guarantee you can learn what it takes to have the look you love. So there you have it. Five things your closet and kitchen have in common. Your homework this week is to pick out your outfits the night before for five days in a row. I want you to pick it out down to shoes and accessories. See if it makes a difference. If you're wearing more of what you have or you feel like your look is a little bit more polished and interesting, or even if your mornings are any easier. I hope that all three of those things are true. Don't forget to grab the 100 wardrobe essentials checklist. It's absolutely free and it will help you identify some holes in your wardrobe and spark some ideas of items that could have a big impact. You can get it by going to youreverydaystyle.com slash checklist or by going to the show notes at youreverydaystyle.com slash episode 6161 and finding the link. Also, if you are an all access member, be sure to check your dashboard. I've added your monthly resource, which is a whole wardrobe planning workbook. It includes the essentials checklist, as well as wardrobe planners, a printable shopping list, the outfit formula sheet that you've seen in signature style, and more. And there's also a short video on how to use the planner if you have a super small wardrobe or if you're trying to use more of what you've got. This month, your resource is really, it's a super simple thing that can help you have big results. Make sure you don't miss it. Okay, that's it, everyone. I'll see you Monday with Office Hours. Class is dismissed for today, but the conversation doesn't have to end. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com forward slash podcast for show notes, freebies, and links to connect with me on social media. And if the Everyday Style School podcast is making style easier and more fun for you, it would make my day if you would subscribe to the show, leave a review, and share it with your friends so women everywhere can have more fun with style. I'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.